It's 11.30 here at KRBN, which means it's time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for uh, making us a part of your day. Some snow in certain areas, especially western areas. If you're in the Sand Hills, Gothenburg, Kozad area, even north of Lexington, seeing some light snow. Maybe Kearney seeing some snow. And unfortunately, that trend will continue in the next couple of days. We'll hear more about that with Paul Perkins coming up in about 15 minutes. Otherwise, Scott Foster filling in for Jason Jorgensen. He's out the next couple of days. Well-earned vacation. Bob Rogan will step in and tell us how stocks are performing so far on this Wednesday. But as we always do, let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield, who is not there right now. Well, you know, and maybe it's snowing in surprise, too. There could be throwing <laughs> things off there. I don't know. But I can hear you guys. there she is. Oh, there, there she is. Okay. Hi, Susan. flip the switch in the studio. It's all about pushing that's buttons. That's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, so, no, it's it's not snowing here in surprise. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, hopefully the snow stays away. Listen, you'll take the rain, but the snow, we're over all that. Or maybe I'm yeah. just speaking of my own. No, you're not. No, I, I'm over it too, but we unfortunately have some uh, frost this morning here, so that mm-hmm. wasn't good. Well, not, uh, I guess, uncommon, or I guess I should say not surprising, as we did mention that yesterday, there was a possibility. So, yep. But, uh, well, what do you have coming up for us on midday today? Well, Clay's going to kick off everything here at 1219 as K-State Extension agent Alyssa Rippey-May highlights the upcoming small ruminant field day that's going to take place in Norton, Kansas. And then taking place at 1245, Whitney Stucco will step in as the 2021 Nebraska State FFA Convention was held last week. She'll be talking with the pa- uh, with Paxton Dahmer, uh, the Central Region Vice President of the National FFA Organization. And then we continue our Women in Ag series. And today I speak with Kathy Abrahamson. She's from Axtel. And she talks about a cattle operation, miniature cattle she has with her 11-year-old son, Wyatt. By the way, yesterday's uh, uh, Women in Ag series with uh, the the woman down in Arapahoe, that was very interesting. That was, uh, that was terrific that, stuff. I want to be like her when I'm 93. <laughs> great story overall. So, yes, very much. Uh, great series, and we look forward to that as well. Thank you very much, and uh, have a great day. You too. Thanks. All right. That was Susan Littlefield. Let's turn things over to Scott Foster, who is filling in for Jason Jorgensen today. Well, the basic uh, cast of characters uh, were named to the uh, ABC All-North Regional Volleyball, American Volleyball Coaches Association All-North Regional Team, Nicklin Haynes, Manny Kubik, uh, Lauren Stiffens, and Lexi Sun. You know, they're kind of good. Yeah, it's that's, uh, you know, they're again, they're, they're like other players are going to have to create more room uh, on their their for their trophies and I stuff know, like that. Just, so. But, so it'll be it'll be fun to see. It'll be an interesting tournament because they're doing yeah. different things. But uh, at least we're going to have announcers for it now, it sounds like. That's true. The tournament <laughs> did officially start this morning. Creighton plays today and Nebraska will play tomorrow. But, yeah, it's going to be some interesting time in the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks. But, yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. Thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. And uh, what are the stocks looking like on this Wednesday? Big banks are kicking off a highly anticipated earnings reporting season and a little bit surprising. Companies are lining up to report how much profit they made in the first three months of the year. Details on that coming up. All right. Thank you very much. All that and more coming up on Midday. Here's KRBN is on YouTube. Now streaming video on demand. 
Subscribe to KRVN Radio on YouTube for news, weather, agriculture reports, and more. It's time for a regional ag weather update today. It's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Paul Perkins joining us here in the studio. And before we get to Paul, just want to pass along that, uh, according to the Wyoming Department of Transportation, Interstate 80 is at least partially closed from Cheyenne to Rock Springs. Wow. Westbound lanes uh, starting at Wyoming's capital to Rollins. Uh, eastbound is closed from Rock Springs to Laramie. That was as of uh, about 11 o'clock this morning. So that is because of the snow that they're receiving out there. And we, too, are receiving snow. No road closures, no. but we're seeing some <laughs> flurries in our area. Yeah, most of it now falling as rain with those temperatures warming up. But they did have close to a whiteout situation in the North Platte area right yeah. around the 9 o'clock hour there. And then this, there were some snow-covered roads from about Arthur and points off towards the east. And I need to look at our road cam here. But I know toward the east of Arthur earlier this morning, mm-hmm. it was uh, the roads are very uh, snow-covered there. And taking a look there, the... Roads have melted off mainly. It's just on the grassy areas. But a lot of that snow, like from North Platte and points to the east along the interstate, just accumulating on the grassy areas. More of a light rain area continuing to move east through central Nebraska. Right now from about near the Calway and O'Connell area to about Litchfield and Ravana. Then south to north of Kearney. Then over to about the Lexington and Cozad area and just about to the Elm Creek area moving towards the east. Also some light rain currently from Sutherland and points just to the north of the real small band there. But it's all falling as rain now. Gothenburg, Cozad areas, uh, looking at the the, uh, the cameras there about a half an hour ago, almost whiteout conditions in their areas too, just from the snow that was coming down. And again, it's now moved out of the area, but I don't see anything outside our windows. It doesn't no. look like any rain is even falling. No, and this system is continuing to weaken as it does move off towards east. So a lot of this may be just hitting the ground as some sprinkles from about, once again, Lexington or Cozad to Callaway on over to Litchfield and Ravenna and also towards the Sutherland area. And with that, unfortunately, those temperatures are going to stay unseasonably cool. <laughs> yeah, right now we do have temperatures in the 40s where we are seeing some sunshine from Mount Grand Island and Hastings and points off towards east into much of northern Kansas. Also seeing some sunshine starting to reappear over southwest areas of Nebraska. But most of west and central Nebraska, especially along and north of the interstate, seeing some mostly cloudy skies. Temperatures as low as 33 right now still in North Platte and the Lexington area. Most other locations with temperatures in the mid to upper 30s, the low and mid 40s right now from Grand Island and Hastings and Holdage points off towards the southeast on into northern Kansas and temperatures in the upper 20s as you head towards the Nebraska Panhandle and that light snow in much of Wyoming, mainly to the north of the interstate for the time being. Cloud cover increasing for today with the approach of low pressure. Some rain mixed with snow possible through the day tomorrow, but we will see some breaks in that precipitation chances in the central and east for tonight. Also some breaks in the clouds. Our highs today and tomorrow about 10 to 15 degrees below normal. Rain with some snow likely tomorrow night through Friday. That's the most likely time period. Tomorrow night through Friday for the precipitation as that main low tracks across the plains. Precipitation falling mostly as rain, especially during the day. A rain-snow mix or change to snow could occur late tomorrow night. Most of the rainfall totals will range from a quarter to three-quarters of an inch. Snow accumulations of two to four inches are possible from west central Nebraska 
into northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. We do have that liquid precipitation and total snowfall forecast map on our KRVN Facebook page. Any lingering rain tapering off by the day Saturday, it will remain very cool with daytime highs. Friday and Saturday, nearly 20 degrees colder than normal. In between systems, Sunday will be our nicest day of the next week with high temperatures on into the 50s. Another strong cold front pushing south for next week. Forecast models advertising a good shot of cold air with that front and another round of rain and snow chances. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to remain colder than normal the middle part of next week. Temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas warming up a little bit to slightly cooler than normal to seasonal by next weekend through April 27th. So some light at the end of the tunnel there. Not a lot of precipitation falling in Nebraska and Kansas, but below normal precipitation forecasted for Tuesday through April 27th, the more likely period for drier weather late next week through the 27th. Soil temperatures four inches down at 7 this morning, mostly in the low 40s. The soil temperatures in the upper 30s along and west of a line from Ainsworth to North Platte and McCook. Southeast Kansas soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s. Key weather factors influencing the markets include the end of moisture and drought areas of the U.S. and limited rain for corn areas of Brazil. The Northern Plains drought areas saw only a slight easing from recent snow and rain. The colder air the rest of the week slowing down the planting. Northern Plains precipitation later in the week focusing in the southern areas. In the Southern Plains, widespread rain and some snow at the end of the week will benefit all areas. Cold air could bring some frost damage to far western areas of the Southern Plains along with slowing down the winter wheat growth. Central Brazil only predicted to see light to moderate rain the rest of the week. Southern Brazil will have no more than light rain along with above to much above normal temperatures. The yield prospects for the Brazil winter corn crop uncertain with those conditions. So we're going to see some precipitation, uh, which means likely if you're a farmer, you're going to have to probably stay out of the field maybe just a little bit longer. Exactly. And it's not going to be a big precipitation event with this system. At most, a lot of locations, a quarter to three quarters of an inch. We will see some drying for next week. But, you know, a, could, a few more light precipitation chances look to be in the forecast for the middle part of next week, along with another shot of colder mm-hmm. air. <laughs> yeah, kind of over these cold temperatures. Yeah. 33 right now in Lexington. Yes. That is too cold. Cold for this time of year. All right, very good. Uh, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krmn.com. All right, thank you very much. Well, good afternoon. I'm Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. K-State Extension getting geared up in a little less than a week to host one of their first small ruminant sheep and goat field days. And to learn more about that, we talk with Twin Creeks Extension District and Extension Agent, along with Livestock and Farm Management Specialist, Alicia Rippey-May. And Alicia, this is coming up on April the 20th, but you have to sign up by this Friday, April the 16th. Give us a rundown of what's going on with this first ever Northwest Kansas Sheep and Goat Management Meeting. We are going to be at the Norton County 4-H building. We're going to start at 5 p.m. there. Um, But you can also, if you're more comfortable, you can attend via Zoom. Um, Either way, though, we are going to need your registration. Uh, Registration ends, let's see, this Friday, April 16th. Um, And you can can either call Twin Creeks Extension District at 785-475-8121 or um, call Phelps Ricks District at 785 425 
888-382-6851, and we'll get you guys registered. K-State's small ruminant specialist, Dr. Crane, is going to be the one presenting. Alicia, if you could introduce us to Dr. Crane and give us a little bit more of her background. Dr. Crane is relatively new to K-State. Uh, she came on in 2017, and she really has an impressive small ruminant resume all on her own. She has a master's in ruminant nutrition and a doctorate in reproductive physiology, both from North Dakota State. She worked with the, the sheep program up there. She really brought a lot of knowledge with her about sheep and goat production to our department down here at K-State. That is great to hear. Now, one thing, you know, the fact that K-State is investing not only in their own small ruminant uh, specialist, but as well now that we're hosting field days like this, are you seeing a sizable or notable increase in sheep and goat production in northwest Kansas, south central Nebraska? I would say, yeah. We are getting more and more questions every year about sheep and goat production. Uh, you know, sheep and goats are a really excellent youth project, but they can also really present an excellent additional income source for our, our normal producers. They can be labor intensive, but if you can make that work on your operation, the price is certainly excellent right now. So it can be a good opportunity for beginning farmers adding a, a supplemental income on the on the farm. And I do want to point out as well, if you want to follow along with the market in the sheep and goat world, check out our weekly Midwest Sheep and Goat Market Report. You can find that at ruralradionetwork.com. Alicia, what are you hoping that attendees take away from this meeting? Kind of what are some of the big highlights that you hope they're able to, to latch on to. So we're going to focus on a number of kind of management considerations at this meeting. So Dr. Crane is going to cover health considerations for small ruminants. She's she's going to focus on a vaccination and deworming schedule, which we know are, are super important for small ruminants. And then she's also going to cover nutrition, particularly as it relates to gestation and um, lambing and kidding. We know sheep and goats commonly have multiple births, so it's really important that we're making sure we provide adequate nutrition for those animals during gestation. Dr. Crane is also talk with us about some co-grazing opportunities. She's done some work with producers down here, co-grazing sheep and goats with, with cattle, and she's going to talk to us about kind of fencing considerations and the benefits of co-grazing on your pastures and a number of considerations. So I've seen that presentation before, and, and it's really excellent. So I'm excited she's going to bring it here. Alicia, thank you for bringing us all of this information. Before we fight, wrap up our interview, though, want to make sure, did we miss anything, any important information, or your final or closing thoughts for us? I would really like to thank our sponsors for this meeting, both Animal Livestock Auction and Colby Livestock Auction are sponsoring the meal for our in-person participants. That's Alicia Rippy May. She's the Extension Agent, Livestock and Farm Management Specialist for the Twin Creeks Extension District. Register by Friday for this first ever K-State Small Ruminant Field Day. Time for Midday Sports. Scott Foster filling in for Jason Jorgensen for the next couple of days. Well, there's a new hire, a new head of hot show, if you will, for one of the area high school softball teams. Thanks. Thanks for teasing that. That was well done. You didn't give out any information there. Yes. <laughs> Over to native Clayton Jeffries is the new head coach for the Lexington softball uh, team. He has been an assistant for the Minute Maids the last two seasons. Jeffries uh, says he's excited about getting a chance to coach. He has been an assistant with the Prodigy Fast Pitch Organization. There's lots of mm. these organizations around that that, that help 
You know, because not only is there fall ball, which we called uh, it, yeah, but yeah. but already softball has started for summer, and it has become a pretty big deal. And so uh, he is helping with that. Should be a good coach to add there for the Minute Mates. Huskers, uh, Husker volleyball team continues to rack up the awards, and, and these are, as I mentioned earlier, the cast of characters that we hear a lot, Nicklin Hames, Maddie Kubik, Lauren Stiverns. I always struggle with Lauren. Stiverns. It's Stiverns. I don't know why. It's Stiverns. not hard. Thank you. Her and Lexi <laughs> were uh, Nebraska's four honorees for the second year in a row for this award. That is the American Volleyball Coaches Association All-North Region Team. And uh, so the AVCA gave that away. So congratulations to them as they get started on their postseason. Just have really, what a, what a career they've had. Really have had a good career. Should have a, a, a lengthy run, I would think, as the NCAA tournament has actually officially started today. Uh, the first couple of games, some of them being played in ballrooms, but that doesn't matter, apparently. Uh, some of the locker rooms are tents that they have up in the CHI Health Center. So, you know, that is what it is, but the, the Huskers will play tomorrow at 2, which we'll have over on Cami. I, I will never figure out what they're doing there, but whatever. You know, because there's, like, other gyms they could be going to in Omaha. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, you know, UNO in the area. Yeah, well, just... They got that. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Uh, let's let's get on to some other news. Uh, the Major League Baseball, the Chicago Cubs, hope to stay on schedule amid a coronavirus scare that landed four players in the COVID-19 injured list in the past two days. Chicago is set to wrap up a series in Milwaukee with the Brewers, Ace Corbin Burns, faces Jake Arrieta. Last night's scheduled starter, Kyle Hendricks, was scratched after the right-hander indicated he wasn't feeling well. Hmm. The uh, Joe Musgrove uh, returns to the mound tonight after pitching the first no-hitter in Padres history. I don't know if you heard about that or not. I, uh, I have heard of it. I, I'm not surprised this has come up in it's, our sportscast. Well, it was right here. The All AP right. put out this time he'll face his former team in Pittsburgh. The 28-year-old righty played three seasons for the Pirates before getting uh, traded to San Diego last year. Of course, he is a native of San Diego, went to Grossmont High School in El Cajon. Where was Scott born? Scott was born in Grossmont Hospital. Just saying. Naturally, side, that's where the uh, first no-hitter. Side note, yeah. yeah okay. Fits. Right. And finally, this, uh, this I think, would make a lot of people feel better. The NCAA is on the verge of making a major change to its transfer rules as the Division I Council meets today and tomorrow. At the top of the agenda is voting on a proposal that would grant all college athletes the right to transfer one time as undergraduates without sitting out a season of competition. All indications are the proposal will pass. When it does, athletes in football, basketball, baseball, and men's hockey will for the first time be immediately eligible to play after switching schools without asking for special consideration. That'll be kind of nice, I think. Uh, it is odd that you do have to sit out anyway. A little bit. Uh, when, when it you was transfer. a penalty. It was sort of a slap, yeah. you know, I guess. To try to uh, dissuade people from uh -huh. doing that. But it makes, I mean, if you're going to allow transfers, why would you not just allow them to transfer immediately and mm -hmm. play immediately? Otherwise, just don't allow it because you're wasting a year of just sitting on the bench, essentially. Well, and it makes, maybe they pause and think about it now because they can only transfer once. Sure. So so they want to make it, if they're going to do it, they want to do it right. Okay, so, okay. so we expect that to pass today. Looks like it will, yes. All right, very good. Thank you very much. You bet.
This is Greg Sharp coming up tonight on Sports Sunday. We'll have a practice report as the Oscars continue their march through spring football. And we'll have our weekly buy-sell. Can't wait to dive into that. That more tonight here on Sports Nightly. Listen to Sports Nightly on 880 KRVN, 106.9 FM, Kearney, and 98.5 FM, Grand Island. Time for Midday News. Our own news director, Dave Schroeder, has stepped in. And some developing news out of Lincoln, and in particular from Governor Pete Ricketts. Yes, well, some states, uh, legislatures have, uh, and some cities and villages have passed, counties have passed ordinances declaring them as sanctuary states uh, for Second Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, Governor Pete Ricketts has signed a proclamation designating Nebraska as a Second Amendment sanctuary state. And so the proclamation, though symbolic, refers Nebraska's a right to uh, bear arms. He says the White House and Congress have announced their intention to pursue measures that would infringe on the right to keep and bear arms. Governor Ricketts further states that Nebraska will stand up against federal overreach and attempts to regulate gun ownership and use in the good life state. And we have a full uh, copy of the governor's proclamation uh, coming up on our website a little bit later this afternoon. So explain to those that aren't maybe exactly sure what that uh, Second Amendment sanctuary state means. Well, uh, from what I understand, you know, there's going to be some legislation and perhaps some uh, uh, declarations through President Biden, executive actions that would uh, impose some uh, restrictions on the guns, uh, gun control. Mm. And I think that what uh, these uh, proclamations of sanctuary states is just kind of reaffirms what they feel should remain the same as uh, their Second Amendment rights. Mm. And so I think that's kind of generally the gist of it. Okay. All right. Very good. So basically he's saying, you know, basically each state is allowing or states can kind of uh, set their own rules, essentially. Uh, Well, states are just saying we're going to follow the Second Amendment as it is. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's continue on with more news this afternoon. Uh, Over the weekend, uh, State Senator Ben Hansen was at the Cumming County Feeders Banquet in West Point. Hansen talked with our uh, sister station, KTIC Radio, about the Property Tax Incentive Act and how it's impacted Nebraskans. Yeah, because of what we passed last year, LB 1107, we're now appropriating over $100 million a year towards the property tax credit relief fund. And so basically, you get a refund on your property taxes. I mean, for, for it being a local tax, the state doesn't collect any of that money, so we have to appropriate money that we don't collect from locally. And so this is what we get from sales and income tax that we can then put towards the property tax credit relief fund. Well, Senator Hansen also has a priority uh, bill called LB 644 in the legislature, which is about informed consent for the taxpayer. The Sarpy County Board has voted to remove that county's embattled treasurer from office. The board voted unanimously to remove Brian Zuger from the elected post, as follows a state auditor's report earlier this year citing missteps by Zuger's office that cost Millard Public Schools to miss out on nearly $2.4 million tax payment, while Bellevue School District was overpaid by $2.3 million. The board will install a permanent replacement within 45 days. Zuger has defended his work, saying the office has been trying to correct years-long problems. And that's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. This is Whitney Steckel joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. 
Today we are joined by the Central Region Vice President for the National FFA Organization, Paxton Dahmer. Paxton, last week you were part of the Nebraska FFA State Convention. How did things go? Yeah, it went really well. And first and foremost, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. But uh, the convention went really well. Uh, you know, if you watched uh, any of the live streaming or even you can go back and watch the session still and you just watch the faces on the members that were highlighted, whether that be through Zoom or pictures or whatever it might be, uh, I think that that shows that the convention overall was a great success and in, in the goals of convention, uh, you know, recognizing student success and achievement and all their hard work and dedication that they put in throughout the year was certainly achieved last week. And, and uh, you know, I couldn't be more pleased with the way that it turned out. So you spoke to members on Thursday evening. Um, what was your keynote speech about? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So I gave a keynote about loving people better sooner. And so the whole message behind the speech was, uh, you know, about the fact that, uh, you know, it's, it's really important right now more than ever to show up for people and love people, um, regardless of whether or not they've won or lost, uh, but love them while we still can. I think if the last year's taught us anything or taught me anything, it's that you would never really know. Uh, how much time you have left with people on earth. And so I think it's more important now than ever to, to show them that you love them and show up for them and support them in any way that you can while they're still here on earth and while you still have that chance to do that. And so my hope uh, was with that keynote, students would hear that and, and feel charged to go ahead and just show up for someone, uh, you know, a friend that needs a friend, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, uh, cousin, relative, whatever it might be, but just show up uh, in whatever way they can and support them and, and show them that they are loved because I think it's more important right now than ever to spread that message. What inspired you to seek National FFA office? Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, it kind of, uh, there were a lot of stepping stones in getting there that kind of helped change, uh, you know, why I ran for office and what inspired me to run. Uh, but I think the ultimate, uh, you know, thing that made my mind up for me was having the opportunity to interact with a national officer and become friends with a national officer. Uh, you know, I never met one until I was a state FFA officer in Missouri uh, in 2018 when I was first elected. I got to meet uh, the Western Region Vice President that year, and, and uh, you know, that kind of shifted my mindset. But then eventually I got to become friends with one of the officers on the next team at a pretty personal level. And, and that was what really inspired me to run for national office was seeing how he could change someone's life just by, you know, sparking a friendship and, and creating a conversation from time to time and checking in. Uh, you know, I wanted to be able to have that impact for FFA members. Uh, but then even beyond that, you know, I'm a sixth generation agriculturalist. It's something that's really important to me. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that this year where things look different, we have a different opportunity to reach even more members uh, where they're comfortable. And so I wanted to focus, uh, you know, part of my efforts this year on maintaining uh, that focus on, uh, you know, creating the next generation of leaders that are going to change the world, but also that are going to change agriculture and keep driving, uh, you know, our nation's top industry forward so that we can continue making an impact in, in creating uh, career-ready individuals that when they graduate high school, uh, when they're done with their FFA membership, they're ready to take a career in agriculture or even another industry and, and drive that industry forward and keep creating innovations that are going to change the way we look at the world. So what is your message to members as they continue to have things impacted by the pandemic? Uh, to hold on, uh, that it's not always going to be like this. Uh, you know, there's a select group of members out there that never have been to an in-person FFA event. They've never been to a state convention, a national convention, a Washington leadership conference. Uh, you know, my message to them is just to hold on, hang on tight and, and enjoy the ride because it's not always like this. Um, and I promise you, when you get to an in-person convention and you're, uh, you know, working with students from different states at national convention or you're at Washington leadership conference and you've got people from literally all across the country there that week, uh, it'll change your outlook on, on not just that week, but your entire life. Uh, you know, those events are what create uh, or help 
help change you into the person that you're meant to be when you, uh, you know, develop an awareness of other cultures and awareness of how other people live just in other states across our country. That's really important. And that's a big part of the citizenship piece of FFA and our programming. And so, um, you know, to those students that haven't had the chance to do that, that are continually impacted by COVID-19, uh, hang in there. Uh, give it a try. Keep keep working with it. Uh, keep doing your best, and, and we'll support you in any way that we can. But moving forward, understand that when things open back up, uh, you know, your perspective is going to be just absolutely shifted, and you're going to see so many cool things. And so uh, just hold in there, hang tight, and, and uh, we're getting there as soon as we possibly can. Is there any other final thoughts that you have or anything else that you want to just add to uh, the interview here? Yeah, you know, um, again, thank you for having me, and, and thank you to the Nebraska FFA Association. Um, you know, uh, virtual conventions uh, can be really hard to do, and they did a fantastic job. And so to the, to the retiring officers, those retiring six, uh, great job on a fantastic year of service. Uh, it looked different, but, uh, you know, watching this convention, I've realized how many members were really impacted by your year of service. So that's something tremendous and something that you should uh, always hold close to and to the incoming team. Uh, you know, fingers crossed things turn around and your year looks pretty normal this year. But uh, even if not, uh, use last year's team as a demonstration of what you can do in a normal year uh, and an abnormal year and just focus so much on impacting those members because they need it right now more than ever. Well, thank you again for talking to us, Paxton. Yeah, not a problem. I've appreciated it. Again, that's Paxton Dahmer, the Central Region Vice President of the National FFA Organization. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. With business report for Wednesday, I'm Bob Bergen. U.S. stock indexes are tacking a bit more onto their record highs. The S&P 500 was one-tenth percent higher in midday trading, a day after returning to an all-time high. Several big banks kicked off a highly anticipated earnings reporting season with profits that thundered past expectations, but their stocks were mixed following the reports, continuing a trend where companies have failed to get as big a bounce as they usually do after better-than-expected reports. Expectations are very high for this earnings season, and growth for S&P 500 companies could be the strongest in more than a decade. Coinbase is becoming a publicly traded company. The digital currency exchange is making its initial public offering of stock today at a time when cryptocurrency chatter seems to come from everywhere, even the U.S. Federal Reserve. Cryptocurrency is being incorporated into business plans and accepted by major companies such as Tesla, PayPal, and Visa. There were 43 million verified Coinbase users in 2020, with 2.8 million making transactions monthly. Bernie Madoff, who pleaded guilty to orchestrating a massive Ponzi scheme, has died in prison. Madoff's death at the Federal Medical Center in Butner, North Carolina, was confirmed by his lawyer and the Bureau of Prisons. The Senate has approved President Joe Biden's choice to lead a key agency overseeing Wall Street. Gary Gensler was confirmed today to head the Securities and Exchange Commission. His arrival at the agency signals a new emphasis on investor protection after a move toward deregulation during the Trump administration. U.S. health officials are weighing next steps as they investigate a handful of unusual blood clots in people who received Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine. The reports are exceedingly rare. So far, six cases out of more than 7 million inoculations. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Bergen.
We're continuing our Women in Ag series being brought to you by Tyson. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. This time we're headed to talk with Kathy Abrahamson. She's from Axtel and was nominated by her husband, John, and son, Wyatt. Wyatt said that she's always there to help me, and if I'm struggling, she helps me to figure it out. She always seems to get everything done, and they also gave her 100% credit to how smooth the harvest season runs. Well, we kind of joke that I do everything but actually plant. I don't drive the tractor, and I don't weld. Those are about the two things I don't do, so we do joke about that. But I also like to joke that he can't plant anything until I program the monitor and make sure everything's (laughs) right all the write all the programs and make sure it all runs for him so that he can just sit there and drive. But um, I don't know. I guess I would probably say that sometimes I don't like to have as many roles because I feel like I have a whole lot of stuff going on and don't always get everything done like I should. If I wasn't involved in it every day in all the steps and all of the aspects, there would be a whole lot of things that I have to take care of at my desk that I would have no idea how to handle it if I wasn't outside seeing what was going on. And when it comes to to harvest, what do you like about harvest time on the on the operation? Oh, I don't know. I just love harvest. I like to pick corn. I don't know why. Because it's long hours and it's exhausting and, you know, we're not home and I feel like I completely desert my child for six weeks or whatever and he's an orphan. But I don't know. I just I just like to pick corn, I guess. Because it, and it's fun to see, you know, you work all year to get to that point, and that's how you know if you've done a good job or not. So, how does he look at agriculture and what you and your husband John do, and how is that influencing him in his preteen years? When he was younger, he did say to me once, he's like, "Mom, how come you don't just like go to work like other people do?" And I went, "Um, well, just because I don't." But then he also had a very warped sense of mothers when he was little because he thought all farm wives drove the combine and he's just like wait what you don't he'd ask the neighbors you don't pick corn and they're like no we don't do that and he is the kid that at school you know people the kid at school will say stuff to him like oh all you do is play in the dirt and you know farmers aren't important and he will pretty much go off on how if you ate breakfast today, you should thank me. And if you drove your car today, you should thank me because farmers are feeding or providing all your food and farmers provide for the gas for your car. I mean, and he is he's very quick to point out all of the things that agriculture does that's good in the world. Talk about your miniature cattle operation because when Wyatt talked about it, I, I can just envision him with this grin from ear to ear talking about <laughs> something that he and his mom get to do. Well, and I don't even know so much if it's an operation because I don't really know what the big plan is for it. I mean, it kind of started because they're cute little critters, and we bought a few, and he just wants a herd. I mean, he's kind of wanted he's wanted to have cattle since he was little. I mean, we had imaginary dairy cows for quite a while, and he's always fascinated by feedlot operations and that kind of thing. And so this is kind of a way for him to have his own herd because they don't take up as much space and they're efficient and you know they're they don't require quite the same thing as a full-size cattle herd would and it's something the two of them can do together that's kathy abrahamson from axtel as we look at women in agriculture brought to you by ncta i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network
Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we take a check at the closing grain markets with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, a lot of green on this green. Brand new contract, seven-year, multi-year highs in the corn market once again today, and we are on the doorstep of $6. What does this do to the trader dynamic and to the trader mindset? Well, it moves faster here. And obviously, when we cruise through five, it kind of raises the percentage levels. But you have to forget a little bit about how we've traded the last few years and that corn is, is kind of a slow, you know, uh, slow dance, so to speak, while, while the beans in the wheat markets are a little bit more of a fast step. And I think that's changing here. You saw the action just in the last five minutes of the close, trading it trading in 1% range. Um, that's, you know, going to be the norm here. So I imagine six dollar corn is, you know, we'll see a six handle on this thing, I would hope get this close. Uh, the, the, the news is bullish. Um, you know, that's any advice anybody you're going to get who's like, Oh, you need to sell it at six. It's like, they're probably saying the same thing at five. So I think you kind of just continue to bleed, bleed bushels into the market here. Uh, we're not seeing really any, any evidence of, of demand rationing yet. Uh, so at this point in time, you know, ride the wheat wave and, and we'll see if maybe the deferred contracts start to pick up here. Looking at 472 December 22, you might have a five handle on that before you know it. So definitely some opportunity presenting itself here into the market as well. Now, with this type of volatility, as you were talking about, just in the last five minutes, that 1% move, does this kind of now start to exclude that options market, or is the options market still viable in this type of environment? Uh, I think it's a, a it's a pretty good way to play it. I think you, you almost need to stay shorter term. I know that's a little bit backwards thinking. You want to buy more time in a market like this, but the volatility cost, especially when you look at like a six-dollar call here, even for, for the December options trading you know, twenty cents um, upwards with with the amount of all priced in. So I think at this point in time, you know, we're we're entering into levels that are a little bit unknown as far as marketing decisions go, and you know, we're getting opportunities to sell deferred contracts, and that's really the focus for me here. Uh, you know, old crop corn. Can we go to eight? Sure. I mean, there's there's no reason why why the market can't continue to appreciate here, especially if the U.S. doesn't have it. But um, you know, it's really really early in the season to get too tight into a weather problem. And I think the longer run story here will really lie on the livestock side, is what the producers do there. Uh, you know, it's it's going to squeeze those guys. The margins might start to tighten up, but they're not buying as much. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag, Marketing Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Weekend Grain. Again, you can sign up for that newsletter. John publishes it every morning. All you got to do is get in on the delivery list. That's at DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, DanielsAgMarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Midday. You can find the Midday Podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors, wherever podcasts are available, or krvn.com.